You're listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast provides daily updates on Florida's response to coronavirus with a particular focus on North Central Florida. In addition to news and important information, From the Front Lines will feature a member of the community who is working to keep the community safe or running during these challenging times. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and this is From the Front Lines. Here are the most recent COVID-19 numbers from around the state. There are now 210 positive cases of COVID-19 in Alachua County, according to the latest numbers from the State Department of Health. No deaths have been reported, and 27 people have been hospitalized at some point as a result of the virus. Positive case numbers in the north-central Florida region include 247 in Clay County, 121 in Marion County, and 84 in Citrus County. Statewide, there are 26,314 positive cases of the coronavirus and a reported 774 deaths. School bus Wi-Fi is now available at 45 sites throughout Alachua County for three hours every weekday. Students within approximately 150 to 200 feet of the bus, either at home or in a vehicle, will be able to access the network school bus Wi-Fi for free. Students and their families are reminded to maintain social distance when accessing the program. No supervision will be provided and children should not be left unattended at the sites. A password will not be needed when the school bus Wi-Fi is rolled out, but the district is requesting that people limit the use of the network for distance learning. Alachua County Animal Services is the only animal shelter in Alachua County that is still fully functional and taking in stray animals. Animal Services Director Ed Williams says that although they're still taking in strays, the shelter isn't overwhelmed. I would say the shelter is running about 50 to 60 percent capacity right now, which is great. According to Williams, there are currently nine cats and 59 dogs at the shelter and eight cats and 72 dogs in foster care. We actually have more animals in foster care than we have here at the shelter, which I think is probably the first time that I know of that that has ever happened. Williams thinks the silver lining in this pandemic is that people are spending more time at home, which has allowed them to be able to foster or adopt animals. We've seen a lot of people really step up and agree to foster animals for us. Sort of our secret hope that, you know, people will fall in love and they'll keep them. (laughs) Williams has waived adoption fees and is providing all the supplies a family would need to foster an animal. Democrats and elder care advocates have been calling on the state to release more coronavirus-related data on long-term care facilities. Over the weekend, Governor Ron DeSantis cleared the way for Surgeon General Scott Rifke to start allowing the names of nursing homes with positive coronavirus cases to be listed in the daily reports. I have now directed him um, to determine uh, that it is necessary for public health uh, to release the names of the facilities where a resident or staff member has tested positive for COVID-19. Now, what had been done is as soon as there was a positive test, the facility was required to notify all the other residents, all the staff members, and all the families. Previously, you could only see the total amount of cases from long-term care facilities within a county. Now, using data, you can determine which facilities do and don't have an outbreak. This past weekend saw some local Florida governments reopening beaches for limited activity. Beaches in St. Augustine were open for walking, running, and swimming Saturday for the first time in weeks. Florida never issued a statewide closure of beaches. The decisions were left to local governments. And in places where they are opening, there are restrictions. Walking and running are allowed. Sunbathing isn't. Governor DeSantis's response has led to a nationwide misconception that he ordered the reopening of beaches, so much so that the hashtag Florida Morons was trending on Twitter with criticism about the decision DeSantis didn't actually make.
Like most public places in Gainesville, the Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention is closed until further notice. But the museum is still finding ways to bring its STEAM lessons to kids who can't be in school right now because of the COVID-19 pandemic. WUFT's Melissa Fato spoke to Executive Director Stephanie Bales about how the museum is supplementing the education of students stuck at home. The Cade Museum was established in 2004 by Dr. Robert Cade, James Robert Cade, who was um, a professor at the University of Florida and also the lead inventor on a little known sports beverage called Gatorade. And so the mission of the Cade Museum is to transform communities through inspiring and equipping future inventors. And we do that in a variety of ways, but the most specific way is by teaching STEAM concepts, concepts, science, engineering, art, through the lens of invention. We find that um, when people come through to those concepts using invention as the lens or their knowledge of inventors, it makes it more accessible and easier to understand and also encourages creative thinking and problem solving. So obviously the museum is closed currently. We, we would like to open May 1st, but the reality is, you know, we're dependent on the city and the state to tell us, city, county, and state to tell us when we'll open. But here's where we're challenged. We're not just a typical museum, uh, Melissa. We pride ourselves on our mission and doing outreach in the community. So up until this point in time, we had relationships with, we call them our community partners. And these are organizations that service the needs of some of the most underemployed or economically challenged in our community. And um, we do intensive educational experiences with them. And that work has stopped. And these children, many of the children are, clearly they're no longer in school. There are over 30,000 kids in our community who don't have day-to-day -day educational access. Um, some of them do, but those who don't have internet access and those who are living maybe in rural communities and don't necessarily have internet access, they're not getting those day-to-day -day experiences anymore. The schools are doing their best to reach out to them, but what we're trying to do is provide some interesting and inspiring content for both kids and for their parents while they're not able to come into the museum. What is this Cade at Home project that you have started? Tell me about that. How is that going to be serving people in the greater community? It is our initial foray into digital online content made accessible for anyone. And it's coming out right now as an email newsletter. And it's, it's educational video, mostly appropriate for uh, pre-K through fifth grade students that gives them an understanding of how invention happens um, wrapped into a uh, educational video. We're most excited about using it to reach out to areas of our community who don't have day-to-day -day access to engaging educational content. If you're trying to get this program out to people in more rural communities or maybe kids that don't have as good like internet access. How are some ways that you and your partners are thinking of delivering that material? Right. So we're also going to be partnering with PBS to deliver three and four minute snippets during their programming so that we can reach out into those areas that that wouldn't have access to a computer or such. Do you have a time frame for when that would begin? 
hopefully that begins next week. So what has the response been to this? We have gotten responses from people all over the country who've received Kate at Home. And so what we're finding is those days that we release um, the Kate at Home newsletters, we're finding an increase in traffic, almost, almost half of what we used to experience before COVID. So um, we're definitely seeing a reaction to the content and we're excited about moving it into another platform. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about the museum or your efforts? So the COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting global shutdown has forced us at the museum to practice what we preach in real time. And that means we need to pivot and strategize and plan for a new normal. And um, you know what we realize is a lot of high and middle income families and their students are more likely to be connected to the internet than low income and rural families. And clearly there is an inequity in access to engaging learning experiences. So what we're trying to do with Kate at Home is to use this online access as a test lab, if you will, to help prepare us to move into other broadcast mediums. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Daniela Mora, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, Melissa Fato, and Cameron Lund. Also, thanks to our fellow Florida public media stations for their contributions to this podcast. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson and Craig Lee for their work behind the scenes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story to share with From the Front Lines, please contact WUFT on Facebook or Twitter, or send an email to news at WUFT.org. That's news at WUFT.org. Join us tomorrow for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.